0: Hello, everybody. I'm Jan Jeremias, and you're tuned into the Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley Coiner, and
1: I'm happy to be here. Hi, Jan. So nice to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to talk to you about essential oils. And what I want to, before we start, I want everyone to know that you are the co-author of Spoil Your Pets, a practical guide to using essential oils in dogs and cats, And so I, and we've talked a little before, so I know a lot more about you than than the listeners do, but um, I think your path to starting to use essential oils and becoming interested in essential oils is just a really good background for people to know. So before we start talking about essential oils, could you share a little bit about how you transitioned into the world of essential oils and then, and how you started using them for pets? My background is
0: clinical research science, and so that was, you know, this was not my world at all. This isn't the way I grew up. It wasn't, you know, my parents were very traditional. I worked at med schools and hospitals my whole entire academic and scientific career, and so I think we're each brought to a path of, for me, wellness or alternatives because we need a solution and that solution might come because we need one for ourselves or we need one for someone in our life. And for me, I needed an answer for my pets. And so that is, was my entryway in. I didn't do it for me. And so much of us, as I talk to people, we don't do things for ourselves. We do things because the ones we love, and in my case, it was my animals, had some sort of condition or illness, and I wanted to help them. Um, yes, I could have gone the more traditional veterinary route, but I didn't really want to do some of what the suggestions were. And I was like, what can I do? And so when I started using essential oils, I actually began with pets. And, um, I always say that I, you know, here I was, I was definitely a fish out of water. I, I thought that oils were used by hippies and lived in Woodstock and wore beads and burns, you know, burned incense. Like I really <laughs> thought that, you know, I really had no clue, but I had some wonderful friends and some great guidance and animals are great to work with because they don't sit there and analyze whether things work. Like they're not sitting there and saying, oh you know, was it my imagination that this oil helped me or was that it I placebo? went those, you know, modality? <laughs> right. right. Exactly. They don't sit there and debate that we debate that, but they feel better. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when my dog was diagnosed and I started using oils and the first day, you know, she was better and the second day. And by the third day I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then the scientific part of me kind of kicked in and I was like, okay, I've got to learn more about this. I've got to research this. I've got to do as much as I can to make, to educate myself. And so that was the beginning of my path. And I've kind of never looked back. Yes. I then started using them on myself (laughs) and introducing them to people and introducing them to people. But it was really, you know, my pets who really showed me the path, so to speak.
1: I think it's so fascinating because as a, you know, I have kind of a similar scientific background, you know, my degrees in biology, zoology, and I'm a veterinary technician. And, you know, as a veterinary technician in the nineties, you know, there was like, that was all hippy dippy stuff. You know, if you did acupuncture and essential oils and even chiropractic and all that stuff was like kind of almost frowned upon in the veterinary world because it was like, oh, you know, and then of course we'd have a situation. I remember one case where a dog came in with some neurologic issues and I have a super sensitive nose. So I was telling the vet, the dog doesn't smell right. Like, but I didn't know anything about oils at that time. So I accepted lavender. Like I knew lavender helped me with migraines, but that was all I knew about essential oils at this time. I go, there's something on this dog, but I didn't know. So the vet um, calls and they had put tea tree oil on the feet because the feet were itching, but they had done it full strength and God knows how much they put on. After that, I never forgot what tea tree oil smelled like, but they had put it directly on it. And then the body obviously was responding to it, not the way they had intended it had turned into neurologic because it was too much and it wasn't diluted and all of those things. But that made me start to think, wow, if that whale could do that, you know, how come it couldn't do something beneficial too? So it got my brain sort of thinking. And then I had another experience with acupuncture where I did not believe in acupuncture. I thought that was like, okay, stick needles in and it'll be better. And then we had an acupuncturist come in and had this dog who could barely walk in the office. And after just one treatment was like running out and jumping and it totally opened my eyes and opened my mind. And then I ended up getting acupuncture actually after that. I started using essential oils and then I started studying Reiki and my brain went from, okay, I understand Western and Western medicine is still important and there's still things that we need sometimes to have integrated, but we also need to use these natural ways. It's like, it can't, it doesn't have to be only one sided. And that's how I was, I was, you know, totally medical, like this is not possible. And then dogs and cats, but dogs, particularly in these two cases were like, Uh, yeah, we don't care about placebo. We feel better or we feel worse like in that tea tree oil situation. And then I started studying it and I started finding out the benefits. And I knew already just by experience, I didn't know if it was placebo, but I knew that when I got a migraine, if I put lavender or smelled lavender, put some on my temples, it took the edge off of the migraines. But I didn't know if that was all just in my head until I started seeing it helping with animals. So it's really- I've had the
0: same- with essential oils, but also like with Reiki, mm-hmm. you know, as I work on my, you know, I do Reiki now on pets and, you know, and still I say to myself, this is so cool. Cause it really works, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, I have clients that call me or clients who don't believe, and then, you know, their husbands turned around to them and say, when's Jan coming back or when do we have a, day? <laughs> you know, kind of thing, yes. you know, because it works. Exactly. And- And I think that that's, you know, that's the gift sometimes of animals because they teach us so much, I feel. And in this case, they both taught us about these alternatives, which are, you know, available if we want to use
1: them. Exactly. I want to talk more about oils too, but I also want to know why did you, you know, because there are some other essential oil books out there, not a ton on pets, but what, what prompted you to want to write this book and really get this book out there?
0: Well, you know, it was interesting because as I started to explore the world of essential oils and I was, like I said, I went and I gravitated. I wanted to learn as much as I could. And I went and did some courses on essential oils, animals, and it seemed that I was in my circle of people that I was affiliated with or not all of a sudden I got to be known as the pet person and everybody, I was getting questions all the time. It was like, you know, people would call me or people would text me saying, I have a friend who has a dog or a cat or whatever, and this is what's going on. Can you make some suggestions? And so I started to do that. And then I met my co-author who we always laugh, came to me for her daughter. And then started using them in her practice. So she came via the human and then switched to pets. And we came via the pets and then started using them on humans ourselves <laughs> or humans. So we always laugh because that's why we always say, you get there one way or another, you get there. And when we partnered a lot together and she began using them in her practice. We decided that we wanted to put out there one is a book that was going to help to try to alleviate some of the misinformation that was out there, some of the fear that was out there about around using essential oils with animals. And we also wanted to create a very easy guideline, a very easy format for people to follow. And that was really one of our primary intentions is we didn't want it to be complicated for people. And so wanted to make it as easeful as possible for people, if they could follow or if they could read and follow directions, they were going to be able to use essential
1: oils for their animals. I really do like your layout as you have it, where it, you can just look at specific things you need. Like I just happened to flip to obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, or pancreatitis. And it's very clear. It's easy. It's not too wordy or you know, too hard to know what is expected, where some of them get to be kind of complicated. And when you have a pet that's not well, and you want to try this, you don't want to have to dig through. And you don't want to have to look for the scientific, like I know, you know, renal disease, but I want it to say kidney disease for my clients, because they're not going to know necessarily the medical terminology. But I also love that you did it with a veterinarian, because there are some essential oil books out there for pets that are just by it an essential oil specialist, which is fine. And they probably are very knowledgeable, but there are situations, there are some oils that are, you know, more toxic to pets or, or you have to dilute. You can't use, you know, straight. There's things like that, that that's what happened to these clients that this was like 20 years ago. You know, they had that tea tree oil situation is they see tea tree oil was in shampoos that were for itchiness. So they're like, oh, well, I I have a bottle of tea tree oil. Let's just pour it on this dog's feet and they don't know all the parts. And then what also happens is that when you Google, you know, cause the internet has all the answers as you know, and they're all right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so I, you know, somebody Googles um, something about essential oil and it's as a vet tech, I'll sit there and go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound, you know, like very safe. Uh, but it's just because someone puts it out there, you, you know, have to think back, but by having a veterinarian who worked with you, you having that, medical knowledge and that good knowledge I think you guys have a really great team on creating this book at being able to help people with some authority too that's not just oh I'm really fascinated with essential oils but your background and the veterinarian's background makes it you know more authentic book I think so I think that was great oh, thank you so thank you um,
0: awesome. I think our goal in the book was we wanted to give information. So I wanted to be able, we wanted to be able to describe something like pancreatitis in terms people would understand, but we realized that If your animal is suffering from something and I always use the example of like a snake bite or poisoning, like if your animal is bitten by a snake you don't want to read about snake bites. (laughs) You want to know what to do, which is why we then ended up separating out the instructions, the practical instructions of like, what do I do. Mm and reading that out from the text and figuring that at some point or another, you can always go back and read about snakes and snake bites or poisoning or whatever. But when you're in the midst of an emergency situation, you don't want all the information you have to, and you have to be practical because it might be a life-threatening circumstance and you don't really want to waste time. You know, you want to be able to get what's done done.
1: For and sure. So, Even the best first aid books are like that too. Cause you know, you're in a first aid situation and you're like, wait, what do I do with this cut? Where do I, you know, do I do a tourniquet or not? You don't want to be like, and the facts about tourniquets are blah, blah, blah. You're like, do I use it or not? That's all I want to know. (laughs) I'll read about that later. (laughs) But right now, right. right now. And I think that that's a great thing because you can just look, you know, really quickly. Something that people who are listening, you know, especially if they're new to essential oils, they, or they're in that, where we both were at some point where they were kind of doubting and does this really work? I know this is a big question. And so it's asking a big, big question for a little answer for our short period of time. But can you kind of summarize how and why these essential oils work, how they affect the brain or the body or or different things? And I know, like I said, I know this is a big question. We could talk about it for hours, but in kind of a really quick way that people might, if they're a little iffy about essential oils, why they might be, what might convince them to at least try them.
0: Well, I think that, you know, essential oils are basically extracted from plants. As we know, they are a good quality oil is going to be steam distilled from the plant and not chemically extracted. And I always like to explain it as if like the difference between get, between getting water processed decaf versus chemically processed decaf, you know, water processed decaf, they're using water to get rid of the caffeine. And we want to use steam to get the oil out of the plant because that decreases the likelihood of you know having that chemical, if you were to use it to extract, get into the oil. And so it tends to be cleaner, so to speak. And then obviously using plants or materials that have as little pesticides or no pesticides and when they're grown. And then when you get the oil, every oil has what we would call diverse chemistry. So they have this unique chemical profile of natural chemicals that are indigenous to that plant. And when you use them, the body utilizes it's those chemicals to help itself heal. So you're really assisting the body and doing what it does naturally, and you're giving it a little boost. And then depending on what the oil is, you know, what that chemistry is, it might be effective at different circumstances. So some oils have very global chemistry so they have a very global effect they'll affect a lot of body systems and other oils are very sort of like narrow in their profile and might only affect one system even though that's not usually what happens I mean I think if anything there are certain oils that are my favorite oils and that's because I think they do have that very global effect and then I think the other ability of oils to interact is one is we all know the power of smell so I think smell has um, a very profound on us and we know I mean You know, we were chatting about the fact that dogs navigate, you know, animals navigate the world through their noses. And so I think oils have a very powerful impact on pets. And then also the whole element of relaxation. I mean, the body heals so much better when it's in a state of calm or relaxation. And we all know that because when we're stressed, we tend not to heal or we get sick. So animals are no different, you know. And in addition to them, you know, having their own, maybe whatever they pick up on ours, which is a whole other conversation. Exactly. exactly. We're
1: opening another can of worms. Well, one thing I was thinking about, as you were saying, these are all derived from plants. I think people forget that even Western medicine, a lot of medications are derived. They're not chemically produced. They were derived from plants too. And that, I think that's somewhere where... Even, you know, with cannabis now being more legal in different places, it's coming up a little bit more because people get in the fight of, but it's not, it is, you know, but so many of our medications do come from plants originally and then, yeah, originally. And then we've, if they're on the Western side, we've usually processed them to where they're not recognizable as plants anymore, but they're, but that part of the plant that did what it was supposed to do, did what it was supposed to do. And that's how we, you know, started even Western medicine, a lot of the medication started from plants too. So it's, it feels like it's to some people, this is a big leap going from Western to essential oils and these natural things. But in reality, it's just taking a different path, but it's still the same premise is that plants can help us and help our bodies and help our pets' bodies. And we just have to look at it in different ways for sure of how that goes. I think that that's really, I think it's great how you can talk about, you know, how it affects different parts of the body. So you mentioned that you have some favorites and I know people probably would love to hear, you know, some of those favorites that aren't real for specifics. You don't want to obsessive compulsive is not like the most common behavior problem that we deal with, but maybe anxiety or, or maybe even some other medical stuff, overall general health. What are some oils that you really like? Those, some of those favorites that you go to.
0: I think my probably favorite essential oil, uh, and the one that I tend to recommend all the time is frankincense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that frankincense, as we all know, or as I think most people know, everybody's almost always heard of frankincense because I think if you go back through history and if you talk about medicines originally coming from plants, I mean, historically, if you look back, there are certain herbs or resins or trees that were used, you know, have been used for thousands of years.
1: Frankincense and is so even I in love- the Bible. I mean, it's that old, exactly. you know? Yeah. Exactly. So- And
0: so I love the fact that I think it has a very diverse effect. It has the ability to help with many different things. It's really gentle. And so I like it for that fact. And so I'm not really, I don't feel limited on using it in animals uh, at a very young age and, you know, much, much older pets either. So I love the fact that I don't really, you know, I can use it on a puppy or I could use it on a dog who's 15, 16 or a cat that's 20, you know, so I love that. And so I think for overall health, that's probably one of my favorite oils to, to have around.
1: And it's one I often recommend. What do you Um, usually recommend it for? Like, what are some of the, you know, things you might be recommending uh,
0: for? I think my favorite is it's a really good respiratory oil. I love it because it's great for cellular health and so, and cellular turnover. So keeps the cells nice and healthy. So I think I like it for that. So one of the oils I recommend for some sort of some neurological problems, you know, and there are certain some information out there about it being used for things like depression and anxiety and things like that. So I think that especially these days where, you know, I think for many of us, you know, we've been home for, you know, for on and off for you know two and a half years now Mm -hmm. and our pets have been around us basically if we've been home for two and a half years and now all of a sudden when we leave our pets might be anxious or sad and they don't understand like why we're going they're like to them they're like well you know you were home for the past period of time and you know i like the fact that you're home and so i like frankincense for sometimes for those things The other one I gravitate to a lot is lavender. And I think lavender because lavender, you know, the nickname Swiss army knife of all oils. So good for (laughs) skin issues, abrasion, bug bites, burns, allergies, um, you know, some of the symptoms that are associated with some of those things. And, you know, and so it's just helping the body calm down on, on, on all those levels. And so I really like the calming effects, whether it be calming to tissue or calming to... You know some of the symptoms that are caused by some of the issues I just mentioned.
1: One thing that comes up when um, I'm talking to people about oils, or they're asking me about oils, or or even if I'm using on my own, on myself, is you know the mode of administering them. So there's broad way. Some can be orally. Some are um, you know topical. Some are just air. So just especially for caution, because somebody might be listening to us and going, oh, I'm going to go get lavender and I'm just going to pour it all over everything or frankincense. And we already alluded to that, like tea tree oil directly on the contact of the skin couldn't be, you know, that sometimes you don't want to do something without diluting it. What do you kind of suggest for people? There are some that you can take ingest, they can, and pets or we can ingest, but there's some that we absolutely should not. Um, How do you kind of navigate that conversation with people of modes of administrating? You
0: have to remember that no matter what you're doing, you really want to use a very high quality oil. And that's just kind of, that's like almost like a, that's like the bottom line, you know? And so however you navigate that for yourself and whatever company you have to, to, you decide to use, just make sure you really do your due diligence Mm -hmm. and seeing their testing and how much they test and what kind of tests. And then my, my coming from my background of science and research and labs, I always say, you always want a third party tester. You want somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in the company to actually test your test, whatever you're using anyway. And in this case oils, I mean, it's just a good safeguard. And so that's the first thing. And then I think you have to one, be willing to work with your pet and what they'll let you do. I'm not a huge advocate of forcing an animal to do anything because they're really smart and if they don't like it like if they don't like you applying oils to them topically and you do it and all you do is aggravate it becomes a game or it just becomes a test of wills like you know or it can be how- an
1: aversion now you are exactly.
0: yeah right and so all of a sudden you know it becomes like you know chasing them around the house or whatever. And I'm just not a huge advocate of that. I, um, so in those cases, diffusing essential oils is a really nice, non-intrusive way to be able to expose your animals to oils. Um, I almost always recommend water diffusers. I think they're the safest. You can precisely regulate how much oil you put in and you can make really nice combinations if you decide you want to use more than one oil. And so those are usually, you know, and then I really like it also because it is non-intrusive. So, you know, you can create a whole atmosphere and ambiance, a mood, what you might want to say, which is kind of strange. You might want to think of creating a mood for your pet, but, you know, if you're diffusing calming oils and they tend to be anxious or, you know, they hate thunderstorms and all of a sudden you're, you know, trying to calm them down and, you know, really get them to a real nice equilibrium before the storm hits or now 4th of July is coming. And I can tell you firsthand that my dog hates fireworks, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a great way um, to expose your animals to essential oils. It's also really good for resistant people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you have anybody in your home that tends to, you could always tell them that it's really nice air and really safe air freshener, you know, (laughs) worse, to worse. (laughs)
1: so I mean sometimes pets are easier than people so that is true and I think I think that's such an important thing because sometimes there's multiple oils that can help the same symptom or the same illness or the same whatever you're working with and I think that's because that's the same thing for us as well as for our pets because um I have a client who we were talking about her dog was anxious and we were just talking about different you know calming oils and and she said just don't Tell me to use lavender. I hate lavender. And it was hilarious because it's one of the more popular, you know, not most people don't mind lavender that much. But she was like, do not. And it almost was going to be the total opposite effect because she didn't like the smell so badly. But we have to acknowledge that of our pets. And just like treats, you know, you could give two different treats and your dog will like turn their nose up at one, but go to the other. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes you can do tests like scent testing. You know, like which one are they more drawn to? Which one do they turn away from? You know, and and let them choose, not forcing those things on them. It's, I liked how you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know, and there are people out there that don't like lavender.
1: I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not a huge. I
0: use lavender for its sort of healing properties, but I don't really love the smell of lavender personally. Mm-hmm. I'll gravitate to a lot of other oils before I'll go. Due to that. but in that mm-hmm. case also what you mentioned was really important because there are lots of oils that have overlapping kind of properties or overlapping kind of um, the ways they interact with the body. And so you might as well go to an oil that you're gonna like to do that versus an oil that you might not like. So you're or in our case you do
1: if you like it and it's pleasing to you, you're more likely to use it. If it's like, oh gosh. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I have to eat my broccoli each day. Oh, I don't want, I don't like broccoli, you know, but, you know, kind of, and exactly. it's not as pleasing. Right. So, you know,
0: we do how we say that, you know, when you're diffusing for the first time, it's like diffusing with a baby. Like I wouldn't put a baby in a room with a diffuser and close the door without monitoring. I would never do the same thing with a pet like you know shut the space and say okay you know here's the diffuser i always yeah. um door open and allow the pet to leave if they decide they've had enough they can navigate that and that's their decision um my pets hang with me and i always say that if i'm diffuse something they don't like all of a sudden i look down they're gone i know it wasn't a good choice <laughs> <I always, laughs> yeah i guess we didn't like that to well. our
1: pets. They tell us way more than we always want to, you know, hear. So do you ever advise people to do in, um have their pets or themselves ingest different oils? I mean, I know that that's all very specific, but do you ever um, recommend that to people?
0: Yes. I mean, I usually don't recommend that people, I mean, there are certain companies that make essential oil only supplements. And those are the t- ones I tend to recommend the most. I don't really use, I don't usually recommend to people that they make their own Mm -hmm. combinations for a number of reasons and very rare and and it's very size dependent so then it's weight dependent and things like that then it gets to be much more i think like medication almost where Mm -hmm. you're actually saying okay for this weight of a of a dog you're going to use don't use it or use it and how many and whatnot and with cats very rarely but we do have to remember i mean i do recommend that people topically apply diluted oils i always recommend diluting and when you apply them to a dog or a cat and even though most of the oil is probably is absorbed probably into their fur when they groom themselves they are ingesting some of that essential oil and that's fine if it's a safe oil that's great and if it's good quality oil that's going to be okay but you just have to remember that they are getting some internally even mm-hmm. if you're not intentionally you know let's say getting a, a capsule or you know, getting a pill form of it or a soft gel form and giving it to them. So they do get some internally.
1: That's a really good point because people don't really think about that. And, and I really think diluting is such an important thing to think about. And, and really before you use any of these oils, like doing the research and reading about it and don't just like pull something off the shelf at the market and go home and try it because some of them do need diluting. Mm-hmm. And I had my own personal experience once I, <laughs> stupidly, Put some cinnamon in a bath, like just a very little bit, but I didn't dilute it in oil first, which was not good. And it got on my skin and it stung. <laughs> and I'm in the bathtub. It wasn't very much, but I was like, why is this spot stinging? And it was because there was a little oil spot that landed on my skin and the cinnamon was like irritating my skin. But who would have thought it's cinnamon? We eat it, you know, but when we eat it, it's not so concentrated and it's not like in that situation. And sometimes our pets, we might do something like that and they are so stoic. So they may not tell us right away, but then down the road, they have another problem. So really doing that research too, and making sure is this, if I put this on my pet's coat and they lick it, will it be still okay for them?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would suggest to people that they reach out to somebody who they know works with animals and oils before they go out and they buy an oil and they, you know, and they, just decide they're going to use one. I Just to make sure that the quality is good. They kind of know where to begin, you know, just as a baseline. And so that's what my suggestion would be. I had I not had someone that actually guided me. Yeah. You know, and I think when it's something new, it's always a good idea. And then, you know, depending on, you know, the veterinary medical practice that you use, you might want to also review it with them. Also, especially if your animals have any sort of underlying conditions, because that's different too. If you're not dealing with a, if you're dealing with a pet that has some sort of issue, you know, medical issue or health issue, you want to make sure that you're taking care of that, and you're not, in some way, um, putting your pet at harm in the quest for their wellness. So you know, we're trying to get them healthier, and we all know that we're trying to do, you know, do the best we can for them, and. For ourselves, but we also have to take into all the, those things into consideration.
1: And I think that broad really looking at all your different, you know, talking to your different people. So not just getting something off, you know, Googling something, getting off the internet, but talking to your veterinarian and talking to specialists, because hopefully this podcast will help people realize essential oils can be helpful and it'll open their minds if they're not already using them to seeking them out but not just jumping on and like dousing their dog with something that or cat that's not healthy for them. So I think that that's a right. Good.
0: Yeah. And I, and I love essential oils, but I always say that there's nothing that's a great substitute for good diet exercise, just like us. Yeah. And, yeah. and you probably see this more than I do Shannon, but i always say I love calming oils, but but there's no substitute for making your sh- sure your dog gets exercise and stimulation and everything mm-hmm. because I can use all the oils in, in the world but if i have an anxious animal nothing is going to make a dent exactly that.
1: you know yes it's helpful but i mean even when you're using like if i have a dog that's on you know Prozac or you know something or something like that if they're just giving the pill We have to still do all the behavior modification and do the exercise and fulfill the life. You know, it's not just a there's never just unfortunate. It would be nice because we're always looking for that golden pill that makes everything better, but it's really a whole holistic approach for sure. For sure.
0: And oils are no different, you know. So, you know, to me, you can use all the oils, but if your pet doesn't, if you're not feeding your pet a healthy diet and you're not getting them out there and they're not getting exercise and stimulation and interaction, then then you're not really fulfilling your role. for Exactly. So,
1: well, uh, Jan, it's been great having you before we sign off. Is there any other, is there any other like nugget or tip or thing that you just really wish everyone knew about essential oils in their pets?
0: You know, I I think one of the tips I wanted to um, encourage people is that when you're topically applying, so yes, you're topically applying diluted oils and, you know, you have to remember that it's not, may not be some sort of like spa-like experience. I think we have this image in our head, you know, because so many of us have have gone for like essential oil massages and all this stuff. And we think it's going to be like a spa-like experience. Well, just to be honest, like it might be, you get one pet down your pet's back of an oil and that's going to be it for your animal because it's new or whatever. They're just not going to sit still. And that's okay. You know, my animals have been raised on oils. I've used like, you know, my dog's 10. He's had oils every single day of his life. Mm -hmm. And so since I've gotten him at five months, so for him, it is this whole spa-like experience. Like he lays down and I give him a good massage or whatever, but you have to remember that. I also have found that the best time for me to give essential oils or to administer topically, especially is um, when my pets are eating. That is like, I've, I'm a huge advocate of timed feedings. My pets eat certain times of the day and therefore they don't, when their bowl goes out with the food, they're busy, like their food, their heads in the bowl because they didn't, you know, if they don't eat, I fed raw for many years. So if they don't eat, I have to take it away and it gets in the garbage because I can't leave it out. And when their head's in the bowl, I can do anything I want to the other end. Mm -hmm. Like I can go down the full length of their body. I can massage them and they could care less what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because they're getting food. So that's always my favorite time. It also Mm -hmm. is a good way to remind me to to do it because Mm -hmm. I kind of partner it with feeding. So that means they're getting oils twice a day. I'm like, oh, okay. It's feeding time. It's evening oil time or morning oil time. And so that's just a few hints for people if they're looking for tricks. Teen is
1: important for us and for our pets. Yeah, for sure. And if they can be distracted and then you can tell if they're really bothered by it and they turn away and they're like, don't want to eat because you're touching them. You can also back off. But if they're like, whatever, then, you know, you're doing, you know, a more positive experience with them when, and if they love their food, they love their food. So, but I could know, I can think of some dogs who would be like, um, I'm eating and you're touching me and I don't really like that. And you just have to honor that as well too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jan, thank you again so much for talking with us today. And, um, when we, um, on the comment section or on this post Um, your book will be there. So everybody can check it out and see, you you know, learn more about essential oils for their pets and such a great, easy to read book, really simple, but, but all the information's there. And I just really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you coming out and talking with us today. So thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun.